Today's reading is from Matthew chapter 25. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate people one from another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, You that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not give me clothing. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. The Gospel of our Lord. Thank you, Allison. You may be seated. Grace to you and peace this morning. Our church has been reading from Matthew's gospel in worship for six months now, and I'm going to let you in on a ritual that's developed between me and Pastor Beth. Each week before worship, whichever one of us isn't preaching will ask the other, how's your sermon? And the other will respond by saying, you know, Matthew really gives you no place to hide. <laughs> Chewing on this gospel makes it no easier to digest. You've just got to swallow the whole entire thing whole. This Sunday is the last our church will hear from the Gospel of Matthew until the year 2020. And what a way to say farewell to this Gospel. An apocalyptic vision of judgment, with Jesus separating those who enter into the kingdom of life from those who enter into the fires of punishment. 
The criteria Jesus lays out for deciding who goes where are clear, and there's no middle ground. There's no gray area. You're either on the left-hand side or the right-hand side, a sheep or a goat. And if you're wanting to protest in this moment, or if you're squirming in your seat, I think that's exactly where this gospel wants you to be. Discomfort is often a sign of growth in our spiritual lives. It's the feeling that accompanies any situation that reveals the gap between the lives we're living and the lives that God would have us live. So when discomfort comes your way, Invite it in and make friends with it. God might just be present there, issuing an invitation to change. All the same, I want to make sure that you are feeling discomfort for the right reasons. Because discomfort might lead to growing our lives in Christ, but it also might lead to despair or bitterness and I think the way that most of us are have been trained to read this story from Scripture, that's exactly what happens. We walk away with more despair and more bitter instead of with joy and abundance. The big mistake we make here when we read this story is that we think that Jesus is giving us a bar to jump over. He's setting out a minimum standard of moral behavior that we must clear if we want to get to heaven. To end up on the right-hand side in the internal kingdom of life, we must earn our place there. And how? It's clear. Feed the hungry, give water to the thirsty, welcome the stranger, clothe the naked, care for the sick, and visit those in prison. Well, this Lutheran church should know very well what problems arise from trying to earn your way to heaven. This is the best and most steady gift Lutherans have given to the rest of Christianity. This notion that when we're only doing these works of mercy to prove to God that we merit being on the right-hand side and that we're good enough, it's like a poison creeps into our good works. We end up resenting God for giving us these tasks, seeing our neighbors whom we're aiding as bits of drudgery, and feeling angry at ourselves for when we fail. So when I was a kid, I was a Cub Scout, and my parents made me go door to door in my neighborhood selling Christmas wreaths as a fundraiser. I did not like doing that. And I would say to my parents before going out, I'm only doing this because you're making me. And then I'd slam the door and walk out. And, and then as I knocked my on my neighbor's doors, I'd hold grudges behind my smile because these people certainly were not kindly grandparents buying wreaths from me to invest in the youth of their neighborhood. These
these were people with the audacity to take up my time, and they were robbing me of the best years of my youth. And worst of all, even though I hated selling wreaths, I was super disappointed when I didn't win the top seller award in my Cub Scout pack. <laughs> so there I was, angry at my parents and my neighbors and myself all at once. <laughs> because I perceived this work as something I must do for a reward, I missed out on the joy and the abundance that could have come with it. Is that what Jesus is trying to achieve in the story he tells this morning? Is there a way to read this scripture and not walk away feeling burdened and angry and resentful? There's one beautiful detail in this story that often gets glossed over. And that's that the sheep, the ones who end up on Jesus' right side, they don't even remember seeing Jesus as they spent time tending to the needs of the least of these. It's almost as if they were so caught up in the work of extending mercy that they didn't stop and consider whether or not they were doing enough to clear that bar of moral behavior that some heavenly Jesus had set out. It's almost as if they hadn't really considered the Jesus in heaven at all. It's almost as if they didn't think that was the point of having faith. So how did these sheep get here? What lets someone be a sheep? How do you stop trying to please a far-off heavenly Jesus and instead get caught up in the work of extending mercy to your earthly neighbors? My best guess, it involves another time I went door-to-door -door in my neighborhood, but under entirely different circumstances. Last winter, I moved into my house in Minneapolis, and in the spring, I noticed a community garden a couple blocks from my house, and I thought, awesome. And so I walked over there, and I introduced myself to the woman in charge, and she invited me into her house for a drink. And she sat me down, and she asked me about my life where I was coming from, why I chose this neighborhood to move into, what I was passionate about, and I sat there talking for an hour. And the entire time, I felt heard. I felt listened to. And at the end of the time, she asked me if I might go out and deliver flyers for the community garden to other people in the blocks surrounding my house. But don't just leave them at the door, she said. Knock, and when the person answers, engage them in conversation. Ask them about their experiences of the neighborhood. Gather their stories, just like I did to you, now. And so I went up and down the city blocks surrounding my house. I met my neighbors and heard their stories, and I loved it. 
I was so present in the work one afternoon that when I started feeling like maybe I should head home because I need to use the bathroom, I said, well, just one more house. Well, one whole block later, I literally had to sprint back to my house to do what was extremely urgent at that point because I was so absorbed. The whole experience stood in stark contrast to my time selling wreaths as a Cub Scout. Instead of resenting the woman who asked me to do this task, I felt closer to her. Instead of feeling like my neighbors were draining away my time on earth, I was filled with awe and wonder at the stories they told. And I had stopped worrying about whether or not I was doing enough. I felt good about myself, useful, joyous. So what was the difference between Cub Scout Joel and adult Joel? I think in order for me to get caught up in listening to my neighbors, I first had to be listened to. It had to become real within me before I could make it real for other people. I think it's the same thing for the sheep and the goats. What makes a sheep a sheep is not that they're more moral, it's that they've tasted mercy for themselves. And that experience of mercy has been so real for them that they can't help but reorient their lives to extending mercy to others. Sheep aren't consciously trying to do good works. They're not consciously trying to prove themselves or improve themselves. The only thing they're conscious of is that they've received mercy and their lives will never be the same. They've taken their mind off the heavenly Jesus altogether and gone about doing the work of Jesus on earth. And lo and behold, that is precisely when Jesus shows up. Last week, during Motok time, we had six people speak about how they lived out their baptism, specifically how they responded to the baptismal call of serving all people, following the example of Jesus. What was amazing to me is that not one of them was serving their neighbor out of a sense of trying to please God or because they wanted to be a good person, each one of them could trace their disposition to serve to actions of mercy lavished upon them along the way. Two of them talked about being adopted as young children into families that provided them with stable love, Others talked about the small-town communities of their childhood where everyone saw them and cared for them and brought them up. And these acts of mercy toward them allowed them to get caught up in the delight of extending mercy to others. And according to scripture this morning, Jesus Christ was truly present if hidden in their stories. Indeed, Scripture tells us that this is the only kind of Christ that we get while we're on earth. 
And that's simultaneously beautiful and disturbing. It's disturbing, of course, because while we live on this earth, the only place Christ shows up is in the needs and the hurts and the sufferings of this world. But it's beautiful because it really is Christ who is present there. In the feeding, the giving of water, the welcome extended, in clothing shared, in visits to the sick and the imprisoned, in any place where mercy is shown, Christ is truly present. And that's more than enough. If we're worried about the Jesus in heaven, then we're going to miss Jesus on earth. But if we die to the notion that we ought to behave and perform and please some heavenly Jesus and rise instead to the ways we've already tasted mercy and allow that mercy we've received to turn our eyes from heaven to earth, then Jesus will appear before us and we will touch him when we touch our neighbor in need. And though he is always suffering when we find him, the joy of touching Jesus on earth is joy indeed. Amen.